Now on drama on News Talk, an end of term by Noel Kelly. Following a number of frustrating counselling sessions and a series of endless telephone conversations, middle-aged couple Michael, a teacher, and Maura, a hairdresser, tried to reconnect their increasingly diverging lives. A last-chance reconciliation attempt may prove to be a final solution, or a final straw. Written and produced by Noel Kelly, this is an end of term. No. No, I'm not lecturing you. I'm not lecturing you, Maura. I'm not. Jesus. Look, do we really have to go through all this, this nonsense again at a time like this? We have enough. I have enough to be worrying about. Should be well able to sort out our own two adults, you know? This hour of our lives without having to resort all that bullshit It is bullshit. Celebrity psychology. Behaviourism for beginners. B.F. Skinner, my arse. What? Ah, Jesus, hold on, Maura. Wait up, will you? No, no, don't hang up. Maura, Maura! Fuck. Maura, ring me back, will you? Just ring me back, please. Please. It might have ended right there at the start Just a passing glance Just a brief romance We're sitting in this office Whole place done in magnolia paint A potted plant A few books on a shelf Freud, Ardy, Lang, Maslow, Schultz and Schultz Yeah the usual suspects, and a full set of pelican. History of modern psychology, or was it psychiatry? Unread, I'd say. Looked a bit too new to me. And not a thing out of place. That feng shui Japanese thing. Yeah, and she's your woman, the counsellor, facilitator. Sitting beside this black ash desk, her elbows on the chair rests. Fingertips together, you know, like a pyramid. Big triangle. Supposed to mean something. Authority. Control. Calmness. And we're sitting there. Maura, all uptight, dressed in her best clothes. Her hair done, some makeup, lipstick. Like she was going for an interview. Wanting to have all the right... The right answers. You know, for the examiner. Was all her idea, Maura, this counselling thing. Once a week. Encounters, your woman calls them. I call them sessions. Subjecting myself to that, that bullshitting. But, Maura insisted. Anything for a quiet life, I always say. Last chance for the marriage. Need for support. Addressing the emptiness syndrome. Oh, that kind of stuff. I know, I know. I suppose I should be more, more empathetic. Yeah, empathetic. Nice word, that. Greek, I suppose. Empathos. 
Or is it Latin? Caesar's Gallic Wars, eh? I must ask her the next time, the, the derivation. Yeah, Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Empathetic. And she looks across at me, this half-smile on her face. Non-threatening, I think they call it. And I stare at the wall behind her. Wouldn't look at her. Like you'd see in one of them gangster movies or something. And all her certificates framed on the wall behind her. Like when you're buying double-glazed windows, you know? Reassure you. Yeah, she passed all her exams. Summer cum laude, I hope. We can only deal with the present, she said. The now. The situation you both find yourselves in. So I'd like to start our encounter today by asking you, Michael, what is it you want? What is it you want, most of all, in life? I want Waterford to win the All-Ireland. She waited. A soft smile, her hands, the pyramid, a little wobble of her head, glasses on top, of course. Silence. And then again she asks me to engage. No better man, says I. And then what else, she asks, do you want most of all for your relationship? What do you want for Mora and yourself? Two tickets for the Hogan stand. Mora bursts out crying, fumbles into her bag, tissue or something. You see, she says, you see what I mean? And she starts to cry, to weep. And I put my arm round her, but she shakes me off and she cries. <sighs> like a child, yeah. And after a long time of this crying and sobbing, your woman, the counsellor, says, I think we'll end our, our encounter for today. Listen, Maura, don't keep hanging up like that all the time, will you? Maura, I'm sorry, OK? It wasn't aimed at you. Look, I know, I know I can be a bit of a bollocks, I know, but the idea of some... Total stranger, having done a weekend course in psychotherapy or Indian head massage or candle waxing for beginners at the local tech or the holistic institute, whatever the fuck that is, having a say in our marriage, our lives, my life, or whatever, whatever's left of it. Subject ourselves to that, that mumbo-jumbo. Look, Maura, I'm not proud of what I did back then. Or of what happened there last year, and I've told you a thousand times. I mean, how many more times do I have to say it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to justify anything. I was only trying to explain. Yes. Yes, there is a difference. I wasn't trying to insult you, Maura. All I said was that I went back to my wife and family without ever having left. It was supposed to mean that I... That I didn't really want. Yes. And I said that I went back to being a grey man in a grey suit like all the other grey men in grey suits who drove off to work every morning into the traffic, played golf at weekends, had a wife and four kids and a mortgage. That's what I said. It wasn't meant to belittle you, Maura. Our life together. Or our marriage. I mean... Have you never asked yourself, is that it? Is that all there is 
to it, to life. That's all I said. That's all I was trying to say in there. All I've been trying to say for a long, a long time. He came into the salon just as we were closing. It was a Saturday evening. Everything put away and he pushes in the door. Nobody wanted to serve him. I, I got the job because I was the junior. He asked for a trim, a dry cut. Just tidy up the sides. And for some reason, I don't know why, I said I'd wash it, give it a better cut. And when he sat in under the washing bowl, I put the cape over his shoulders. I remember catching his eye in the mirror just as he leaned forward as I sprayed the warm water over his hair. He had beautiful, thick, black, wavy hair. For years too. By the time I was drying it, the others were gone, just the two of us in the salon. And just as he was paying at the counter, he, he says, I suppose you wouldn't be interested in going out tonight, seeing as it's a Saturday. <laughs> I burst out laughing. Go way out of that, I said. Why not? Sure, what else would you be doing? And I said yes. Just like that. He waited for me while I locked up. All the lights off. Pulled out the door. We went for a drink at the Granville Hotel. I used to drink stag. And then he asked me if I'd like to have dinner in the restaurant. Dinner. Real posh. A mixed grill. When he dropped me home later, my ma says to me, How do you like hotel life? He just started teaching in the local secondary school convent. I said, the young ones must be mad about you, with lovely wavy hair like that. We used to go out three nights a week, Tuesdays, Fridays and Sundays. We got married in June. I was 20 and I was pregnant. Ma always wanted me to wait until I was 21. Ta said he was a good catch, a teacher, permanent and pensionable. And on the strength of it, we got a mortgage from the EBS. And after Fiona was born I started to take on more and more hours in the salon between the two of us we weren't well off but we were what people used to call comfortable annoyed Michael that comfortable didn't fit in with his idea of himself he used to have a beard longish hair saw himself as some kind of rebel Bob Dylan and all that <laughs> shelves full of LPs and cassette tapes books time out magazines a big Che Guevara poster on the wall he used to wear a leather jacket, a navy polo neck, jumper and those awful corduroy trousers that teachers always wear. And when Fiona was born, I thought we were the happiest couple in Ireland. At the time, Kevin and Sinead and then Kira arrived a few years later between Michael in the school all the time and me trying to keep the hairdressing going and looking after the kids. We didn't have a minute to ourselves. Stressed out, they call it nowadays. That's what we were, I suppose. Stressed out. City sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air there's a feeling of Christmas. It was just before Christmas. We were in the supermarket. I was pregnant with Kira at the time, about eight months gone, and I was huge, heavy. My hair lank, pale as a ghost. 
And we were standing at the meat counter waiting to be served. Place packed, crowds and all those Christmas songs. Michael was holding Kevin in one arm and Sinead strapped into the double buggy. I was pushing this huge trolley full of shopping and trying to hold Fiona by the hand and she was crying, bawling. All excited about Santa and the toys in the shop. Michael hated shopping. Never pushed a trolley in his life. Always left it to me. But seeing as it was Christmas and he was on holidays, he was with us. I'd been in foul humour all day. I don't know, tired, always tired, jaded. Could have laid down and slept right there in the supermarket floor. And he was worse than a child. Will we belong more with bored face on him? Do you want chicken or pizza? I asked him. I don't mind, he said. Which? Will you make up your mind? You sicken me, I said. Can't you make a decision for yourself for once? Always annoyed me that. Whatever you think yourself, I'm not pushed. All the same to me. And I grabbed a pizza and threw it into the trolley. He got all embarrassed, muttered something under his breath, people looking at us. So the counter assistant raised her eyes at the woman behind us in the queue. Next, please. Fat, ugly cow. Those were the words that came into my head. First time since I married her. Since that very first time I saw her even, she was no longer Mora. She was just another fat, ugly cow. A wan. And what's more, I was married to her. <sighs> Fuck this, I thought. I'd always done my best. Worked hard in my job, gave grinds in the front room three nights a week. Went for every promotion that came up. Provided for my family. The dutiful husband. Oral exams, leave and start supervision and corrections. We went all out for the kids those Christmases. Decorations everywhere, toys hidden all over the house. The excitement. Couldn't wait for Santa. Never hit the drink or anything like that. Didn't gamble away our money. No interest in horses or betting on matches. No interest in other women either. Not like some fellas. Maybe I was uptight, I don't know. A few advances I'd made. Made no complaints either. I thought there was something different about him. I don't know, something distant. Didn't really see it at the time, but later, thinking back, I recognised it. Like he was holding back, withdrawn, or somehow getting further and further away. And all was in bad form with me. Like I annoyed him or something. She asked me once. Is everything all right, Michael? Talk to me, love. I said to him. Please, Michael, would you talk to me? She was from Galway, worked in the school, taught Spanish. One of those ordinary girls who drove a Ford Fiesta and came from just outside somewhere. 
I worked with her for six or seven years and never looked twice at her. Must have seen her dip her rich tea biscuit into her coffee in the staff room a million times. A pile of copies on the table beside her. Probably have described her as dull to mildly interesting. Shared a house with a few other girls from just outside somewhere who drove home at weekends to their boyfriends or to visit their ageing parents. And one Thursday afternoon, classes were finished early. Some football match or other. She was locking the door of the language room and I just happened to be passing along the corridor and I stopped and started chatting. So unlike me. And we must have been there about an hour or more. Arms folded, leaning against the door frame, the cleaners moving from room to room. And without any great thought or reason, I asked her if she'd like to go for a cup of coffee or a drink or something. Nothing wrong with that, I thought. Two colleagues, talk and shop. New syllabus for the leave insert, that kind of thing. And all the time, a crazy voice in my head saying... Keep talking. Don't stop. And my body trembling and my throat dry from the excitement. And my eyes searching and taking in her face, her eyes, her hair. And a way she had of brushing it back from her forehead. And I just wanted to... To touch her. And I nearly did too. A couple of times... I almost leaned forward to, to kiss her. I asked him, was it me or was it something that happened in the school? His job more and more stressful. Kids today a lot more hassle, demanding. He worried a lot. Couldn't sleep. Used to be down in the kitchen four in the morning. Took it all too seriously. I told him often enough. But he only seemed to get further away. Is there something bothering you? I asked him. Tell me. Speak to me, Michael. About what, he said. You're listening to Drama on News Talk. This is an end of term by Noel Kelly. It was dark when we were leaving the pub. I knew that my dinner had been put back in the oven and that I was going to tell Maura that I'd gone to the under-15 Gaelic football match and got delayed dropping a few of the lads home and sitting in the car, in the car park at the pub. I put my arm around her shoulder and I kissed her. She smiled and said, you shouldn't have done that. The following Saturday afternoon, I went to bed with her. The other girls she lived with had all gone home for the weekend to their boyfriends, our ageing parents, just outside, somewhere. I was supposed to be playing golf. Ever think how easy it is, the way you can rationalise something, anything, you know? As long as Maura didn't know, or the staff in the school didn't know, or the kids... Like a guy in an old Hitchcock movie, you start to live a double life. You're all the time trying to make the whole thing fit together. And yet you're constantly excited by this great secret you think nobody else in the whole world is aware of. Your whole sense of yourself gets inflated. You think me? 
Hey, me, plain, dull, boring old me, who would have thought it, eh? And yeah, I can keep this thing going, get away with it. A spring in your step. Life, energy, excitement, fun. And there was the sex. And so different to Maura too, none of this big deal about it or fucking complaining, no. Just sex, that's all. And then, of course, there was the lies. Crazy, stupid inventions and excuses. Just to be with her. And even as you get used to it, you don't want to admit it. That this can't last. Won't last. Something is going to give. Something is going to blow this whole thing apart. And then, when sorrows come, as they surely will, they come as Claudius promised, not single spies, but in battalions. And that they did. And yes, yes, it all ended in tears. Bitter tears. Maura's tears. The kids' tears. My own tears. And the Spanish teacher, after a couple of months of intimate takeaway dinners by the fireside and Saturday afternoon couplings in her bedroom, I drive back to my semi-detached mortgage life, my paid-up insurance policies with my unused golf clubs in the boot of the car, and after a litany of lies to my wife and children, one day in the staff room she asked me what were my intentions towards her. Jesus, sounded like one of them Victorian novels I was doing with the leave insert. BBC thing, Pride and Prejudice, horse-drawn carriages and heaving bosoms. My intentions towards her. She said she was leaving at the end of term to do further study and to travel around Spain for a year or two. And would I go with her? Receiving Baha and Scalaira, tis lovely the life of the scholar. And for a brief moment I could see us, our backpacks on our backs, trekking the scorching roads of Andalusia, the green windswept coasts of Galicia, or a wonderful cosmopolitan life together in Barcelona, reading Cervantes or Garcia Lorca to each other in our little pension off the Ramblas or the Plaza de Catalunya. But we didn't. I didn't. Look, it happened. History, okay? I'm not proud of what I did. And do I regret it now, after all the years? And would I admit it? In there, in that room, our encounters, your woman with her empathy and her rictus smile, looking on like a fucking umpire at Wimbledon. Never turns out the way you thought it would, does it? Life. Life.
Why are you here? It was the first thing she asked me when I made the appointment. I need help, I said. My life is coming apart. After years of marriage, there's nothing left. Our family is reared, the house, my life, empty. As each day goes by, my husband and I have nothing to say to each other. I told him I thought we were in trouble. He kept shrugging it off. But I knew, and he knew too, that he would have been happy just to plod along. Whole chunks of your life fly past. Do you know that? There's years, you know, and I can't remember where they've gone. The kids, national school, secondary school, the Debs, weddings, and always in a hurry. Dropping them for soccer, collecting them from swimming, dropping them to music, collecting them from school, and always in the car. You know, I seem to have spent half my life in that bloody Opal Zafira, stuck in traffic, somewhere on the Dunmore Road. And where did it all go? Last time she was home, I told Kira the way things were between Michael and me. Back from New Zealand, first time we saw our grandchild, I couldn't believe it. A grandmother, me. She sat us down, the two of us. This are your lives, she said. Have a bit of sense for yourselves. She meant well, Kira did. I told him I couldn't go on like this. You don't live forever. He said it was my age, my personality, my nerves, fucking menopause. Blamed all those stupid magazines I read even. Silly airhead celebrities. Vacuous, he called them. But I knew. And he knew that I knew. I told him. And I told him that if he wasn't prepared to change, then we had no future together. Even at our age, I wasn't going to put up with it. Marriage to him for another 20, 30 years or whatever was left. And that I'd prefer to live the rest of my days apart rather than go on like this. Not that I had another waiting or anything, or that I was on the lookout for another. I wasn't. You can get tired of men, sick of them and their ways. Lots of women do. If the truth be known, we've been going downhill for years. But like so many others, we kept it together for the kids. Not that I expected true romance every day, but it all just started to wear us down. Bit by bit. Wear each other down, snapping and sniping and avoiding each other, blaming each other and blaming anything and everything. Till in the end, we just run out of excuses. Or energy. Or you just don't care anymore. It was during the boom, the Celtic Tiger. I'd often talked about opening my own place, a salon. I had years of experience. Got on well with people, reliable too, you know, and well able to look after the business when the boss wasn't there. People would often tell me I'd be great on my own. A salon. So I thought about it for a long time. Michael, to be fair to him, was all for it. And then, out of nowhere, that new shopping centre was open and there was a unit. So we decided to go for it, remortgage the house. Come in for a chat, said the bank. A young chap, all smiles and good teeth, says, How much do you want? Jesus, I thought of the car loan I got in the credit union, paying it back for years. I asked for 300,000. Kidding me, he laughed, and my stomach collapsed. I was just about to forget the whole thing. What about fixtures and fittings, he asked. 
I'll put 400,000 into your account. And we signed the agreement. Shook my hand, ushered us out the door, said he'd call in for a haircut sometime. And from that moment, we owed the bank 400,000 euro. Ten months later, the economy collapsed like you flicked a switch. In a couple of months, we went from being run off our feet to sitting in the chairs reading the magazines. And then one day, in floods of tears, I said it to him. I have no work for you. Trish, Nikki, Claire, Jackie and Tina all let go broke my heart. The business tanked. Still see the magazines strewn on the dusty floor every time I go shopping. The place all boarded up. Do you ever get the feeling that it's all going too fast? Life. Like when you speed up the recorder, fast forward or you're waiting for it all to begin. Once you just get something out of the way, then it can all start. Life. You wait for it to begin, but there's always something. Just one more thing. The kid's a little older, the mortgage paid off. Promotion in the job. That summer, when the kids were small, we went to the States, that holiday, to California. I often think of the trip to the airport, Los Angeles International, on the day we were coming back. A voice in my head saying, don't go back. What are you going back for? And that night before we left, we watched the sun go down over the Sierra Nevada mountains, the sky red and golden over the Pacific, open plains as far as you could see. And Ireland, 6,000 miles away, could have been the dark side of the moon. Distant, cold, grey, forgotten. Sometimes, you know, that's exactly what it's like. Like I'm on the dark side of the moon. Did you ever feel that? Different planets. Millions and millions of miles between us. Michael. Michael. Are you drinking? Not a drop, you said. You promised in front of the councillor as God is your judge and all that. Jesus. Jesus, is there nothing, Michael, you won't lie about? The just man falls ten times a day. Look, (gasps) Maura, I know it doesn't make it all go away. I never said it would. I'm not trying to justify anything. I can't undo the past, Maura. None of us can. (laughs) Look, stop. Stop crying, will you? Please, Maura. All I said in there was that... I don't know if I can love you in the same way again. It's not an excuse. It was a direct question and I answered it. I told the truth. We can only deal with the situation. But you met her. You actually met up with her. I I can't believe... Jesus, I can't believe you do that, She got my number from the school. Shouldn't have given it out. The office just out of the blue phone said she needed to talk to me. And you went to Dublin. She asked me. Just silly, I know. And you thought you could just pick it up with her again. You bastard. Bastard. 
Jesus. I left the house, didn't I? Hypocrite. That's what you wanted on me, wasn't Liar. it? Liar. I want you out of the house. Those were your words, Maura. Your words. And I went, packed my bags. And will you kindly inform me as to how many more weeks of these... These encounters am I to endure before I'm suitably chastened or chastised? Is that it? And can go back into my own house, my own home and give up this nonsense? Living in an apartment in town on my own like a fucking monk up in Mellory at, at this hour of my life? Christ! I mean, whose permission do I have to get before I can put the key into my own front door again? Home sweet fucking home. Look... You know, I'll do anything to get this, to get all this sorted, but the fault isn't all on me. It's not all my... The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars. Oh, for God's sake, what's that supposed to mean? Ah, just a line, Shakespeare. How can adults make such a mess of life? A fifth-year asked me in a glass once, imagine, me of all people. We're human, I said, only human. None of us perfect, Maura. Excuses. What? Who's making excuses? I'm not trying to make excuses for anything, Maura. I'm not Jesus. What I said was... Excuses. Same old excuses. No, no. Will you listen? Please, for once, will you just shut up and listen? All I said in there was that I thought she was still an attractive woman. That's all. That's rather different to saying I'm still attracted to her. After all the years, that's all. Fuck it, hardly a crime against humanity, is it? It hardly constitutes grounds for... You'd want me out of the house if I was doing what you were. Liar! Oh, Christ. You wear me out, you know that? Oppressive or something. I can change, Maura. I can. But it's not just me. You have to change too. You think you're the same person you were 10, 20 years ago. You're not. None of us is. You're a different person too, Maura. We're all different people. That's what life does. Changes us. Makes us all different people. We were away just after Christmas. One of them weekend breaks, a hotel. The lads arranged the whole thing on the internet. Maura's birthday. And we were only in the place a few hours, sitting in the bar, having a drink, and she says... Will you cheer up and enjoy yourself? Or let on you're enjoying yourself, seeing as it's my birthday. You don't even see it, do you? See what? Do you ever look into the mirror? <laughs> of course I do. I mean, really, look at yourself. Yeah, well, my hair is getting scarce. What do you expect? You're a hairdresser. You should know that. Or would you like to start putting a colour in it for me? And I'm a bit heavier than I was. I don't mean that. We're all shoving on, Maura. You used to be so handsome. Do you mean I'm not anymore? Of course I don't. You weren't bad yourself. And she took out this old photograph from her handbag. Do you remember this? Our honeymoon in Mallorca. Nineteen-something... You were coming out of the water after a swim at beach near the hotel. Playa de los Parros. You were like a film star, brown as a berry, tanned. You used to be so handsome, so healthy. Your waist narrow like a boy and your shoulders so big and strong. 
And such great crack out of you, always. Strange that. Weird even. Because earlier that evening before dinner, I went down to the leisure centre for a swim. Maura was above in the room getting ready. No one else in the pool, all to myself. And I started to swim. One length and then another. My arms pulling and pushing me through the water and my legs thrashing away behind me faster and faster. The water rushing past whenever I turn my face to breathe. See nothing but the blue tiles on the floor of the pool. And you know, I had the strangest feeling. Crazy. Just came into my head like I was back there. Actually there. That beach in Mallorca. Playa de los Pajaros. All those years ago. Weird. Could see it as clear as anything. Feel the sun shining hot and golden on my back. And I was sure I could hear her voice. Maura. Could see her standing on the golden sand way off behind me. The little white houses on the scorched hills sizzling in the white heat. And her voice, Maura's, carried on the warm wind, calling out to me. It's okay, Michael. It's okay, Michael. Everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. Something like that. And I turn and wave goodbye to her as I swim off, alone, out into the deep blue Mediterranean knowing that I was leaving everything behind, further and further behind me, forever. The lifeguard in the pool tapped me on the head. Are you all right, he says. You looked a bit under pressure. Do you ever get the feeling that this is not going to last? Life, tell yourself that one day when the sun comes up, you know, you won't be there to see it. Or when the phone rings or the postman comes, you won't be there. When the six o'clock news comes on that evening, you'll be gone. You'll be gone. And you won't be coming back. Ever. And later, Maura all relaxed. Almost giddy after the few drinks. It'll do you the world of good, so it will. Weekend away like this. Do's both the world of good. A change is as good as the rest, isn't that what they say? The new year will bring a change for the better. You know, days getting longer. Touch the spring in the air. It's the middle of winter, Maura. I know, but people start to feel better as the days get longer. You never know, you might be able to go back to work in a few weeks. I told her that wasn't likely. I'd been off work since October. We had an appointment with a consultant the following week. Do you remember the way you used to talk about packing it all in, retiring early, make new plans, a new life even, now that the kids are all gone? Try and put, put all this behind us. Enjoy yourselves, travel, see the world. The Silver Surfers. 
that tanned, white-haired couples strolling hand in hand along endless sandy beaches towards a dementia-free future. That's an ad, Maura. It's to sell insurance. Some people do it. Why not you? Why not us? What are you waiting for? You paid enough into all those retirement funds and insurance schemes all your life, didn't you? And I had paid all my premiums. But what I didn't know was that while I was paying my monthly instalments into my retirement plan, what I wasn't to know, or Mora wasn't to know, was that this... this dry rot here is eating my stomach away, faster than I'm making the monthly payments, and that raking over old unfaithfulness and swapping searing blows under the guise of some cognitive behaviour or gestalt Therapy was a luxury neither of us could afford. And time for such a luxury that we didn't have. The future, Einstein said, comes a lot faster than you think. Do you know, you could be in the best of health and still suffer some illness. That thing people get, something to do with the lack of sunshine. You think I'm suffering from that? Why not? They haven't told you exactly what it is, have they? I mean, how come they haven't told you? Could be something as simple as that. And a trip to the Canaries will cure me. I still think it's an ulcer. A duodenal ulcer. Lots of fellas your age get them. Ask him straight out then. Come on, Maura. Probably tell you it's a psychosomatic. All in your head. Get a pain in your stomach and they tell you it's all in your head. Jesus, I mean, how many months has this gone on now, huh? Three, four? And there's still no nearer to telling us exactly what's wrong with you. Stop, will you? And all their bloody education and training. I mean, I could tell him myself it's an ulcer. Don't have to spend seven years in the College of Surgeons to know that. Too fond of your VHI payments, that's what. Give it a rest, Maura. Gone like the state, so it has. Need a second mortgage now to go into hospital. And they'll have you out in the corridor, on a trolley. Oh, Christ, Maura. Give it a rest, will you? Can't for the life of me see why they didn't bring in last October instead of putting us through all this waiting and watching. They have to do more tests. Tests? Test for what? It's an ulcer. An ulcer's an ulcer, for God's sake. Take a glass of milk or a Rennie and it goes away. Don't have to be Christian Bernard to see that. More tests, more second opinions and more consultants' fees. And now four months later and they still can't tell you Shut what's up, wrong. will you? Ah, you're worse to put up with it. You're too weak, so you are. Too much respect. Unprofessional. I'm not going to tell a medical doctor. I'm a teacher, so I am. I wouldn't want some doctor telling me shut how to... Shut up, do- I said. Ask him straight out next week. That's what shut I Shut up, will you? Just shut the fuck up, will you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Maura. On Tuesday morning last, we're back in another office. Everything tidy, neat. And again, Maura beside me in our best clothes for the trip to Dublin. Eager to please, as always. Again, I look across at the framed qualifications hanging on the wall. I can tell quite clearly that they're not conferred by some holistic institute in Denmark somewhere. I see the words Royal College of Physicians of Ireland, another, a postdoctoral qualification. Maura is holding my hand, I can feel it trembling. He doesn't smile, the consultant. Doesn't do this fingertips together stuff. Isn't concerned with body language. 
and it all feels as though I'm outside myself, looking down. I feel Mora tighten her grip the first time he says the word tumour. It's so quiet in this room. Even the late morning traffic is locked outside. I hear a guard car siren in the distance outside on Marion Road and I catch the word malignant quite clearly. Secondaries is another one I'm sure I heard somewhere. When he uttered the words palliative care, I feel Mora crumble beside me. As her tears begin to flow, and I remember the thought struck me. He's probably going for a game of golf when he finishes this afternoon. Probably a member of Elm Park next door. Very handy. Avoids the traffic. An End of Term was written and produced by Noel Kelly, with Andrew Holden as Michael and Emma Walsh as Maura. Sound, Heather Troy Whelan. Executive producer, Michael Grant. Recorded at Garter Lane Arts Centre, Waterford. And funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee. It was fascination, I know. And it might have ended right then at the start. Just a passing glance, just a brief romance. You've been listening to Drama on News Talk. For more and to listen back, visit Newstalk.com.